one morning in my quiet time, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go. And kind of as a confirmation of that, I'm going to sell your house. And I don't want you to put a sign in the yard and I don't want you to list it with an agent. So you know how you have those moments sometimes where you think, I think I heard God and is this just me? So as bold as I am, I said, Lord, I am willing to do that, but I need for you to tell Allison that because I don't want to tell her. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. This is Jason Phillips, your Columbus CPC. I am joined by Chad Grigsby, our Sin City missionary, and Troy Palermo today uh, from LifePoint Church. He is the executive pastor there. Welcome, Troy. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, so we obviously know you really well, but our audience might not. Yeah, speaking of, I think I determined the other day, I, I overestimated, but I've known you since I was eight, I think. Yes, eight years old. That's so right. that's 34 years. <laughs> wow. I remember you being... A rambunctious, kind of squirrely young man. Squirrely as a kid. <laughs> Is that so? I, I was chasing your sister around First Baptist Church, Mossbluff. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's probably why I thought I was squirrely. I was chasing his sister oh. around. Yeah. I really wish we had time to unpack <laughs> this a little bit more, but I don't know if we do. That's well, you, you just talk about knowing Troy, and I thought I did calculate it the other day. It's been a long time. Yeah, we have been friends for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm slightly older than you are. Good deal. Well, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your fam, how you ended up at LifePoint in, in Central Ohio. So I'm originally from South Louisiana, and after college, I um, moved to Memphis to go to seminary at Mid-America Seminary. And I met my wife, Allison, while I was in seminary. She was um, had just moved back to Memphis after college in Missouri. And we had some mutual friends that thought we should meet. Is she from Memphis? She's from Memphis. Okay, yeah. I don't yeah. never knew that. Yep, okay. she's from Memphis. And so they thought we should meet, and actually we're celebrating our 26th wedding anniversary this week. Wow, so 26 years. Turns out they were right. Yeah. We should meet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're much older than me than Troy, now that I've heard you saying that you're 26. Because what are you, like 11 <laughs> this year? 12? I got married later, so yeah, we're only 12 years of marriage. So you've dou- doubled me up, but you're not double my age. <laughs> no, I'm not double your age. <laughs> well, oh, that's cool. So you guys met in Memphis when you were in seminary and yep. got married. How long was it till you guys got married after you met? Uh, we dated and were engaged for a year. Okay. okay. Kind of fast, but not too fast. And yeah. And then you went, did you go to work for uh, Colonial Hills? Out of yeah, seminary? I was at, I was at okay. Colonial Hills. And, okay. Um, so when we, when we, both she was getting her master's degree at the University of Memphis in special education. And so we graduated about the same time. And at that point we decided, hey, we should we should kind of investigate going on the field with the IMB. And so we both were pretty excited about that idea and thought about doing, you know, the first four years there somewhere on the field. And as we began to pray that through, uh, the Holy Spirit really said, No, that's not what I have for you. I think we were both a little bit surprised because we kind of just assumed, hey, if you're willing, God's going to send you because not everybody's 
Yeah. And everybody's willing. Were you at a missions day at Mid America Seminary when you felt the call to I was, <laughs> overseas? Uh, there's a good chance. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. We Dude. had those pretty often. If you like. could get through a missions day at Mid America without feeling called to missions, you had a strong call to something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of pressure. Yeah, that's very true. So yeah. I think as we prayed that through, though, one of the things that, that we both heard pretty clearly was we felt like God said, for your generation and your nation. And so as we fleshed that out a little bit more over time, kind of came to the conclusion that he was calling us to church planting. And then the wait began, and wow. we, we kind of both felt like, hey, we're ready to go right now. And we waited for six years to... Uh, Forgot to bring the opportunity along to plant, and I never met, realized your call. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. That's a lot. okay. I never realized your call was so pointed. Yep. Like you try like missions and then church planting. I never knew you had a call to church planting. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was pretty clear as we wrestled through that oh, whole cool. whole thing in prayer, and and so we had a couple of opportunities to plant one in Colorado Springs, one in Denver, one in Charlotte. And as we prayed through each of those, just felt like God said no, that we were to wait. And, you know, those seasons can be frustrating. But looking back on it, there was a lot that God was needed to do in us, I think, to get us ready to, mm-hmm. to plant. You know, you're, you're younger, you're a little bit more confident in your own abilities, and maybe, maybe I was a little brash at times. And Were you squirrely? I don't think I was squirrely. I don't know many people. I don't think I would ever describe Troy as squirrely under any circumstances. I don't know many people in the executive pastor role that we're not known for our spontaneity. Oh, but, my goodness. Uh, so were these were these executive pastor roles with church plants, or were they lead lead planter kind of roles? They were the part, parts of teams. Yeah. Parts, yeah, of, parts teams. of teams, okay. yeah. Right, cool. Yeah. So I was doing a lot with groups at the time mm. at Colonial, and um, so that that skill set, I think, made it or gave us opportunities to go and, mm. and look at look at being parts of teams. Yeah, because you did something that not a lot of people have been able to do at a very established Southern Baptist church which was kind of moved them from Sunday school to small groups. Yes. And, and you, were, you were the catalyst in that. Well, I mean, I'm not trying to I was, smoke, but you. Yeah, I was younger at that time and so had some good leaders that I think led the way. I was, I was part of that process, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was a team that, that led that effort at Colonial. And um, we did. We, we saw it transition from primarily Sunday school and it kind of came out of one out of vision, I think, to to kind of send people out of the four walls into the community. But but part of it was just practical. We were out of space, hmm. so we had to begin to think about: Do we spend the money to build a building that we're going to use a couple of hours a week, or do we look out and see or learn how to capture the homes that we had there, where you know just practically the insurance was paid, the mortgage was paid. And it was it was a meeting space that, that kind of our church already owned. And so we made that transition. Yeah. So you were there. And how did you end up in Ohio? I mean Yeah, so Dean and I met in seminary. Dean, who's our lead pastor here, and became friends. And then after graduation, he moved here to Ohio. I stayed in the Memphis area. And then they came back to Memphis and 
but they lived on the far north side of the city, and we lived on the far south side of the city. Mm. And so we kept up with one another loosely, but we I wouldn't say we were close during that, that season. And then one day, six years after kind of God called us, and honestly, we had sort of almost given up on the idea that maybe we were going to plant because it had just been so long. Mm. And we had just bought a house, and of course, you know how God does those things. Dean called one day kind of out of the blue. He said, hey, you want to go to lunch? And <laughs> At Chili's, right? Actually, yeah, I think it was at Chili's. <laughs> you just told the story, and I was like, it ha- yeah, Chili's. Yes, Dean, awesome. Dean was on a Chili's kick. kick. At that time. Buffalo yeah. Chicken Ranch with Extra Cider Ranch. Yeah, that was what he ordered. And Ruby Tuesdays and Corner Bakery apparently weren't available at yeah. that time. Yeah, he does have his places that he enjoys and yeah, frequents. Yeah, he goes through those. seasons. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. But I wonder how many people's story. I think it is a few. In all seriousness, start with Dean asked me to go to lunch. It's true. Yeah. There's there's a there's a, a good group of people, church planters I know specifically, and others that 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 was a catalyzing moment for them. So. So, yeah, so we went to lunch, and in the course of that conversation, he told me what he was doing. He was going to move back to – at the time, he was in Memphis helping to plant a church, and he was going to move back to Columbus to to plant LifePoint and said, hey, just wonder if you guys would be willing to go with us. And so Allison was wrapping up. We were, it was right before Christmas break and mm. kind of a high-stress time, and I just remember thinking, I'm going to wait. A week until I mentioned this because she's got a week left of school before break. And mm. but almost immediately when I said, "Hey, here's what met with Dean. Here's what he asked." Um, she and Angie have been friends when we were in seminary, so mm. she knew Angie, and she said, "Man, I feel like this is maybe the fulfillment of what God called us to six years ago." Mm. So it was really cool. We went to our church at the time, and um, they just said, "Hey, we want to get behind you. We believe in you." Anything that we can do to help, we, we'd like to help make it happen. So that's how we ended up here in Ohio. We came to a church that exi- we we both had pretty good jobs. You know, you quit those jobs yeah. and you're all excited about, yeah, God, this is going to be awesome. And then all of a sudden you're packing your house going, we're moving to a church that exists on paper and neither one of us really <laughs> have jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is both scary and exciting kind of all at the same so, time. so she had the sense when you told her about it that this was the six we've waited six years, but this is what God was calling yeah, us this to do. Nation, this generation. Yeah. Thing. Did yeah. you have that sense when you met with Dean? That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like okay. I walked away within the first week, going, "Man, I think this is it." You mm-hmm. know, something just kind of resonated in my spirit about it, and yeah, um, yeah, it was exciting. But was she kind of the first? to kind of say yes in a sense, or were you already there when you shared it with her? Uh, You know, it seemed like it unfolded in phases for both of us. (laughs) So it's that initial excitement of yes, and then it's the whole, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then it's yes again, this is exciting, and then you got to sell your house. And so I'll I'll tell this really quickly, but one of the things that that both of us kind of sensed in our prayer time was God's affirmation, he said, hey, um, one morning in my quiet time, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go, and kind of as a confirmation of that, I'm going to sell your house, and I don't want you to put a sign in the yard, and I don't want you to list it with an agent. And so you know how you have those moments sometimes where you think, I think I heard God, and is this just me? So 
as bold as I am, I said, Lord, I am willing to do that, but I need for you to tell Allison that because I don't want to tell her. And so a couple of days later, she came and said, I know this sounds weird, but I sense God is saying this. So anyway, so we get excited. Yeah, we're going to believe God in this, and we're 60 days away from moving here. And so I tell my, you know, some of our family and my brother-in-law who's a pastor, and like, okay, we'll be praying for you about that. And so 30 days goes by and nothing happens. But people are driving through our neighborhood like crazy trying to find houses because it was a newer neighborhood growing. And so um, 30 days out from moving here and no sign in the yard, no agent. So I said to my brother-in-law over lunch one Sunday, man, I know we heard, we think we heard God say this, but maybe I'll just put a sign in the yard. And he looked at me and said, so God only gets 30 days to do what he said he was going to (laughs) do. Ouch. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. Now, what was your, your 30 days out? You had secured housing here. In, yeah, we had an apartment lined up so, here. Okay, yeah. so you already had, you know, something to come to. And I couldn't afford to pay the rent and the mortgage, yeah. right? Because yeah. remember, I only worked at a church that existed on paper. <laughs> and we were obviously raising support at that time. And, yeah. you know, if you've done that, you know that's not always, uh, that's a slower process. Right. So, um, so two more weeks goes by and, uh, we're two weeks away from moving and we got a call and it was before, um, we still had landline and this was early two thousands and we had cell phones, but it was a hundred minutes, you know, and so you <laughs> for like use it. $95 yes, a month yeah. Yeah. in a quarter minute there afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a call on our color ID. It shows up, it says Vicksburg, Mississippi. And we missed the call. We were out and we got home and I said, I don't know what, who this is, but I feel like that's the answer to, to the prayer. And so a day later they call back and it's some friends of ours who had moved to Vicksburg and they said, Hey, we heard you're going to plant a church. What are you going to do with your house? We said, we want to sell it. And they said, we want to buy it. And so they were moving back. They had lived close to us and had moved away and were moving back. Wow. And so we closed on a house. We clo- we packed our house on Monday morning, closed on the house on Monday afternoon, came back, cleaned it Monday night, and moved here on Tuesday. That's how close it was. Wow. But I can't tell you the number of times in those first two years where you're thinking, oh, man, is this going to make it? God, God just used that as one of those mile markers to say, hey, I called you. Remember what I did? And only I could have done that. And so you're right where you need to be. Trust me in this. And so it's, it's, it's a good memory. It wasn't necessarily a good 60 days, but, <laughs> but uh, face stretching wow. for sure. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, Troy is like the best storyteller in the world, and the mm-hmm. craziest stuff seems to happen to him. I think he puts himself in positions to allow crazy stuff to happen to him. <laughs> I but do also, not choose this. Oh, well, well. <laughs> but uh, if we have time, I would love for you to share a story, but I think we need to ask some of these questions, or we could talk stories for the whole podcast. I could just tell stories. I know, literally. Um, so you plan it as part of the team. Why do you think that's important versus going solo, and uh, how do you do that on a budget? Yeah. Well, so I know not everybody has the luxury to do that, or maybe even even the calling to, to plant as part of a team. But I think um, there are a couple of things that we discovered just about the importance of team. And one of those, I think you really have the opportunity to see the Holy Spirit use a plurality of spiritual gifts as you plant. And so 
looking back on our planting experience, um, my gift, my spiritual gifts are primarily administration and encouragement. Uh, so I tend to be systems focused. I tend to be kind of insider focused on the body. Um, certainly for Dean, one of his spiritual gifts is evangelism. So he tends to be outsider focused. And I remember earlier on, um, he stretched me a lot to not only think about, hey, how are we building and designing things for insiders, but how are we doing that for outsiders as well? Always thinking about, um, which which was super, super helpful. Shane, who was also a part of our planning team, had a different spiritual gift set. And so for us, our job responsibilities and duties kind of naturally unfolded and blended really, really well together. Mm in those beginning days. And so those weren't predetermined completely. No, not really. It, you know, I think, I think we kind of knew a Shane was a creative arts guy. So he was going to lead music and I was doing groups at the time and kind of organizing the systems for building our group stuff. And, and Dean was primarily thinking about Sunday mornings and, you know, we were all thinking about resourcing the vision for the first three years and, and, those kind of things, but but definitely, definitely as we got here, those things unfolded. You know, you come with a plan, right? And to some degree, the plan laid out the way that we thought it would. But but a lot of it is those first couple of years, you know, just seeing how things unfold. And I think one of the things that I completely underestimated before we came here was the fact that God was already preparing people on this side of things mm-hmm. as members. Mm-hmm slash volunteers that he had gifted to also fill some of those gaps. Mm. And as he connected us relationally with those people, just seeing that picture kind of come into view a little more clearly was was pretty fun and um, I think unexpected. And I don't know why I didn't anticipate it, but I didn't anticipate how he had been preparing hearts here to kind of receive what was going to be going on and what he was already up to. Here. Man, that's yeah. good. Just as he was cultivating it in you, had cultivated it in Dean, sold your house, all that, God was doing something kind of going before us, which is really cool to think about how God works in that way. He didn't just work in us and around us. He goes before us, and it's really good. Yeah, there were several key families here. Uh, I can think of three just right off the top of my head that were that just jumped in early that are still with us today, and Unreal. 18 years later, they are still serving and giving and leading. And um, and he had begun to stir a vision for being a part of a new church in their hearts before they even knew LifePoint was coming to town or existed. So, wow. Yeah. And that's pretty rare. You know, a lot of church plants, the, the statistical expectation is that your core team doesn't stay. <laughs> you know, after like three years, I forget what the statistics are, but it's very high that the core team doesn't stay. So, fact that you guys have had some people in the church for you know almost two decades is incredible yeah yeah so that was one of the things I think we learned and then um, I think the other thing about team is you're likely all coming from a different church experience and mm-hmm. so that experience uh, you're you're looking at things from different angles you're bringing different hey we we did this or we tried this and um, here's an idea that maybe we used at my previous church and Here's a way we could tweak that to maybe make that fit culturally, contextually. Uh, That was that was super helpful. Um, 
And then I think just having someone to share their journey with, you know, especially when times get tough Mm -hmm. uh, and they do at times, or at least in our experience, they did at times. And, you know, to look at one another and go, Hey, we're in this together. And, and then certainly when you celebrate things, it's a lot more fun with with a team. And then I think kind of the last thing I I would say is that it, it broadened our network as we shared the vision, especially for raising support in those, those first three years. Um, the the broader the network, the more opportunities you have to ask people to to buy into what God has called you to do, and and you know there has to be a clear path and plan laid out. I think more than just I'm gonna get on stage every week and teach, and people are gonna show up. And I think that's important part of the plan, but it certainly you have to have a little more than that. And so. I think back to kind of what we did. We we built a prospectus that we thought was really cool and nice. Now, remember, this was early 2000s, right? But mm-hmm. I think we did that in word art. Um, and <laughs> we felt really good about it. And I look back on it now, and it's kind of embarrassing. But yeah. uh, we, we had a lot of conversations with Dean's network, with my network, with Shane's network, mm. and people. And, you know, we tried to have all those conversations face-to-face, and that was before – zoom or facetime and so Mm -hmm. it was we couldn't afford to fly anywhere so we would drive you know and just drive and meet with people and wow share the vision and i think if i had that to do over again i would think about it a little different Uh, i would think about it probably in a tiered approach because Mm -hmm. really you need that support for three years unless god does something just kind of miraculous and um, so i think i would think about it in kind of a year one, year two, year three approach. So year one being who are the people that believe in us and want to get behind what they feel like God is is doing and trust us uh, from day one. Mm-hmm. Year two people are who are the people that we know that, that like us, believe in us, but they want to see some fruit before they get behind it. Mm-hmm. And then year three people are more who are we going to meet along the way in year one and year two that maybe we can share this vision with that will get behind us in year three. And I think I think certainly share the vision with the year one and year two people early because especially the year two people are going to need some time maybe to, um, to think about you in terms of their future plans. So mm. one of the things that I think we figured out, and maybe this is intuitive to most people, but it wasn't to us, is that uh, most churches have missions money budgeted, Mm-hmm. And it's missions money that they need to or, or definitely want to spend. But the people who are, are in charge of designating where those monies go, they want wins with that. They want stories that they can share with their people to say, mm-hmm. hey, here's how we're leveraging the gifts that you're giving to, to further the movement of God's kingdom. And, um, and so don't be afraid to ask because those dollars are there. But then you also have to do a good job on the back end of giving them stories to share. And so I think one of the things we probably could have done better is framing our stories. We, we did this, we did this um, frequently, but I don't think we did it as well as we could. We probably overtold the stories or told them too long. So framing them in a way that, that a pastor or a missions pastor could, can take a story in a two to five minute blurb and, mm-hmm. you know, work it into a message mm-hmm. or work it into some kind of a communication that they're sending out at the time. It was, 
email. Certainly social media has changed that a lot in, mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of how you communicate the wins. But um, giving them opportunities to celebrate the way that their church is investing in God's work is, is pretty key to, in my mind, now as someone who helps to lead the team that, that shares those mission dollars, mm-hmm. right? you want to make sure that you're being a good steward of those and having the stories really, really helps, uh, I think, to, um, to build that support for yourself yeah. as you think about the support. So what are some of the things that you did to show appreciation to those donors that were given to you during those early days? Yeah, so we had a list of uh, private donors, individuals who were giving and supporting supporting the ministry, and then we had a, a list of churches that were supporting us out of their budgets. And so one of the things that we did every, every Monday when we had our staff meeting was we took that list of the people who had given the week before, and we hand-wrote thank you notes to them. Each of us would take a pile of three or four jot a note, and then we'd pass it around. We'd all sign it as a team, and we'd mail that out each week just to say thank you to to the guys and ladies who were giving and, and supporting us faithfully. And and that was kind of helpful alongside some of the stories that I think we shared of, of what God was doing here. Yeah, and that was on the free stationery, wasn't it? That you it was, got? yes, yeah. I, I forget so, the story. Yeah, we had a guy in our church who, the church where I was at Colonial Hills, and um, his name was Doc, and he came to us and said, hey, I'd, he had a print shop. So he said, I'd like to give you $10,000 worth of free printing. And so I think I've still got a couple of those note cards left. <laughs> we, we had another guy who worked for a big office supply company, and he donated $10,000 worth of office supplies from wow. his company. And I think we used the last of those office supplies about year 15. <laughs> So we stretched them a long time, you know, but yeah, that is very church planty. Yes, yes, yes. So Dean came into my office with, I don't even remember what it was, a paper clip or something. And he's like, hey, I just want you to know this is the last (laughs) thing from Buddy who gave us all the office supplies. That's incredible. That is crazy. Well, Troy, thanks for sharing the story, the LifePoint story, how you got here and your role in that. I think we'll, uh, do a part two and talk about your role at LifePoint and, and kind of uh, what you guys have been doing in church planting in, a, in another episode. Sounds great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.